0: Bring in a greater harvest than that farmer had ever seen before. And so That's what we're doing this morning. We're giving as unto the Lord. Amen. Youth tomorrow evening. John Mark's out of town this morning. He'll be back later today. So youth tomorrow evening. Uh, class and service this Wednesday. Next Sunday morning, our children are going to be singing um, a couple of Christmas songs. Uh, so i tell you that one because you want to be here to hear it. But also if you have uh, children, Sister Pam's been rehearsing those songs with them on Sunday morning as part of what they do in Children's Church, and so make sure you uh, have them here, praise God. Um, So we will have service and class on the 22nd, Uh, that is um, the Wednesday before Christmas, so um, I've had a few folks ask about that, and I've had a few folks ask about service on the 26th, we will be having service on December uh, the 26th, the Sunday morning after Christmas, so just want to uh, remind you of those things as you plan accordingly. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to um, Matthew the 11th chapter, Matthew chapter 11. As you turn there, I feel impressed to just um, talk briefly about something. I had, I shared a little bit about this when it occurred, but just some things the Lord started speaking to Pam and I about and and then, if you'll recall, when her uh, uncle, by the way, her uncle went home to be with Jesus on Tuesday night, about uh, 7.45 in the evening, um, he had been in the hospital, he went to a, a physical therapy rehab center, and uh, when we heard from him on Tuesday morning, he was going going home to his home on Thursday, uh, but he went home instead to his home in heaven on on, uh, on Thursday, that's Uncle Junior, as you've heard me talk about him, and and when we helped him move into um, the assisted living, there was uh, a man and his wife there, retired uh, pastor, and uh, this man was, I don't know, in his late 80s, early 90s, and and his wife was sick, and, and the Lord just spoke to Pam and I. We went to their room, knocked on the door, asked if we could pray with his wife, and he just got really emotional, yes, please, and of course, we thought we were there to minister to them, but that's the way the Lord works, right, that... That husband and wife wound up ministering to Pam and I, and um, and praying with us. And I never forget that man. He, he confirmed some of the things the Lord had been speaking to my heart. And one of the things that he did, tears streaming down his faith he he put his hand on me. He said, "Young man, I don't know if you know this. He said, but God's taking you places." I said, "Well, yes, sir. He's been speaking to my heart about that. I don't really know what that, what that looks like." Now, don't anybody get nervous. It that's not that I'm not leaving here by any means. Okay, this is this is home and home base, and always will be. And so some different doors have opened and here and there, but I know the Lord meant more about it than that. Now here is, we've been talking about judging on Wednesday night, so don't judge, just pray, okay? But a copy of my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, has made it into the Mormon ranks. And they love it. And they say that their people are struggling with addiction. And... um, they want to know sometime next year if I'll come to one of their uh, yeah yeah and um, I told the brother I said this was a brother at the foundry who gave the book to, they have different terminology for their leadership but he's the one that, that gave it to, to this man and, and um, I told him I said brother I said now I, I'll be happy honored to accept this invitation I said but you know, there's some differences of, of belief. See, Pastor Mark, I sat in your classes for months and months and months. He said, You never said a single word I disagreed with. So, um, and I preached well, y'all know I preach there like I preach here. So So um So anyway, we're gonna yes. Amen. Just be in prayer with me about that. So, um awesome. I'm excited about it. Amen. All right, Matthew eleven. Have you found that yet? So we talk about this verse so much that you guys probably have it memorized by now. and <clears throat> But I just felt such strong prompting from the Lord to go back here this morning. Now, we're going to take this verse and then we're going to look at two other verses in Luke's gospel that I believe are related and connected. And uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is making this connection for us. So um, just open your hearts and let's... Let the Lord speak to us, all right? So this is Jesus inviting us. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So notice he's saying, come to him, and he'll give you, okay? So come and I'll give. We know that that word rest is just an abbreviated version for everything that Jesus came to do for us. So notice, come to him, and he will give you what? He'll give you salvation, Come to Him, and He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Come to Him, and He will give you the gift of righteousness. Come to Him, and He will give you and make you free. He will give you freedom and make you free. So that word rest uh, covers a lot of ground. If, if you go over, stay with me right here where you are, but if you go over into the, in the book of Hebrews, as is the case with so many of the things that Jesus began to, t- t- to teach us about and tell us about, um, we see that they're expounded upon and, and, and you know, explained in greater detail in greater measure in, in the epistles. And so we see this subject of rest brought back up. And, and a couple of things there that we see is that we're told to labor to enter the rest. And that there remains a place of rest for God's people. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about in this life right now that we enter into by faith so when jesus says come and i'll give you rest he's talking about a gift that he gives to you not a cheap gift it it cost him dearly but one that we can receive freely but the verse the passage the instructions do not end there Verse 29, Jesus continues to speak. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, we've explained this in great detail both in class and in services here recently. That word learn is the root word for our English word disciple or discipleship. It's, it's not just, notice he didn't say learn about me. That's, that's one of the problems we have in the body of Christ today is that a lot of God's people are only interested in learning about him Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. He's offering it to you, but he's not going to force it on you. You have to take it. It's something you have to take. He's offering it. He's extending it, but you have to take it. And it's not just that you take it and, and um, put it on a chain and wear it around your neck, you know, like a, like a medallion or an emblem, but you take it upon yourself. It's something that you put on, okay? And he says, in this yoke is where we will learn from him. And the imagery here is two oxen linked together, yoked together, the older, wiser ox teaching the younger, uh, inexperienced ox how to do this thing called plowing. In our case, it's Jesus wanting to do life alongside you, teaching you how to live the life that God created you to live. Remember, the Bible says the way of a man's not found within him. Now, when we started this um, study some months ago on learning to trust God, some of the initial things that Father spoke to us, and I'm going to remind you of those just real quick if I could. There's a lot, but I'm just going to a few of them. One of the first things that he began to speak to us is that he had created us to live on a level that we cannot get to on our own, and that we know that. We know that there's more to life than what we're experiencing. We know that we were created for a greater purpose and a a higher calling and, and all of these things. But we can't get there without him. Okay. The other thing that he said to us early on is that he can only take us as far as our trust in him will allow. Because he's not the great cowboy, he's the great shepherd. A cowboy drives cattle, a shepherd leads sheep. And so Jesus is wanting to lead you into what I like to just simplify by saying your best life. He wants to lead you into your best life. This life that you cannot find, you cannot access, you cannot get to uh, apart from trusting in him. Now, someone might say, well, Pastor Mark, do, do I not receive that life? Am I not given that life when I'm born again, when I'm saved? Absolutely. You absolutely are given. And again, we've covered this extensively. All that you become, all that you were given, all that belongs to you now as a born-again believer. It's not that Father is holding out on you to see if you're serious about this. No, when you're born again, and, and Jesus taught us this in parable, right? When the prodigal son came home, he was given a ring, he was given a robe, and he was given shoes on his feet. And all three of those things are highly significant and highly symbolic. The ring represented... Um, authority Uh, in in other words he could now operate in the family name and do business as 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 offspring of that family as as that man's son again the robe represented his standing his position in that family and the shoes represented freedom and so he was he was restored uh, back to sonship now remember though this young man didn't come home to be his daddy's son he came home to be a servant of in hopes that he could one day work his way back into his Father's good graces and right standing. And so this is where, again, so many of of God's children are. They've come home to Father. They've They've come to Jesus. They've received this gift of salvation and everything that it includes, everything that it involves. Okay, But we didn't come home to be sons. We came home to be servants in hopes that we could one day earn something from our Heavenly Father. And it doesn't work that way. Father will not owe you anything, but he will freely give you all things. So this is the take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So we see then that we receive this best life, amen, if you will, when we're born again. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you in overflowing abundance without end. Amen. That's what he told us in John 10.10. That's what he told us in John 3.16. So... A lot of folks though get born again and they're wondering when all this abundant life part's going to kick in because you know in other words they they almost feel like disillusioned you know that somehow they were they were misled that that all this promise of change all this promise of of things being better you know where is that well it's given to you it's deposited if you will uh, in the spirit part of your being and that's how you access it but notice the how Jesus continues. He says, you've got to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And notice what he says, and you will find, you will find rest for your souls." Now your soul's not your spirit. See, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But you're a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a physical body. And so what you've been given will pretty much make little to no difference in your life until it's revealed to you in your mind. Your soul is the part of is your mind, will, and emotions. Your, your 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 soul is that part of you that 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 realizes that that begins to to think as a child of God. You see, it's one thing to be an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus, it's another thing to think like somebody who's an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus. It's one thing to be made a child of God, a son or a daughter of God. It's another thing to think like somebody who's been made a son or a daughter, a child of God. So this is why he says, you've got to learn from me. And as we learn from him in this yoke of discipleship, this is where we find, where we discover, where we come to the understanding of and the realization of everything that we've already been made, everything that we've already been given, everything that we've already been called to, everything that we already possess. Now, I could give you all kinds of verses. I'm, this is really just trying to set up what I'm here to say to you this morning so that what I say to you this morning will have greater impact. All right? How about this one? I'll just give you one. I'll give you more than one. But 2 Peter says... That you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not will be, have been given. How about this one? You have received, not the spirit of this world, but you have received the spirit who is from God, so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by God. Not so that you might know what God is interested in giving you one day if you play your religious cards, right? No, what you have already been given by God, come and I'll give, learn and you'll discover. Come and I'll give, learn and you will find. He goes on to say, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I want... To connect a couple of verses together, and then we're going to just talk about it in the time we have remaining. Go with me now to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. We're going to let the Holy Spirit help us answer a question that I've had for years and, and have at least a decent answer for, but one that um, I've asked the Lord, one that I've been asked by other people now um, for many, many years, okay? And I think the Holy Spirit's going to really open our eyes to it. Are you, you in faith with me about that? All right. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Then he said to them all, so notice now, this is not just a select group. This, this is like back to come to me all you who labor. This, this is um, open invitation to whosoever wills, how he says it in, in another place, Okay. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me... Let me read the rest of it, but I'm going to come back because we need a little more understanding of what it means to come after him. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, when he says, come after me, he's not just being redundant or repetitive, in other words, you think, well, come after me and follow me is the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. When he's saying, if you want to come after me, we've been talking a little bit about this on on Wednesday night, he's he's basically saying, if you want to fulfill your purpose and destiny the way I fulfill my purpose and destiny, if you want to live the life that God created you to live the way I've lived the life that my Father put me on this earth to live, he's not just saying, come after me. He's not just saying, um, you know, how about, you ever heard the expression, we might say it this way, someone followed in his father's footsteps okay um, you know we use John Mark as an example He some, some, some might say he's following in my footsteps because now you know he's um, moving away from nursing and moving into ministry well it just simply means obviously his heavenly father's footsteps is the one he's ultimately following and I'm just trying to show you we talk about um, uh, I don't know if any of you here ever do business at Ken's Tire and Wheel you know uh, Ken seniors is in uh, in heaven now and, uh, and now his son has come in and has taken over that business he's following in his father's footsteps okay? so when Jesus says if you desire to come after me he's, he's talking about the quality of life the condition of life the fulfillment of your purpose and destiny if you desire to do this then what do you have to do you have to deny yourself now denying oneself what, what does that mean it means you can't keep doing things your way you'll never have the life God created you to live living how you want to live. And then he says, and take up his cross daily. Now, the daily part here is important because when it comes to our relationship and fellowship with God, there are some things you do once. And then there are other things after that that you do daily. How many times can a man or a woman get saved? Well, if you ask me, my my efforts, misguided as they were, I got saved a whole bunch of times. But really and truly, I did not. I got saved one time. Now the devil, he was confusing me, and 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 you know sometimes when you use shame tactics and fear tactics and things like that, you know, uh, you know my thinking was, I don't care what them people think about me. I'm going to that altar. So that's better better than going to hell. You know. And um, and so I kept. As a matter of fact, until I finally went through the doorway of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I kept looping back around, trying to go back around through the doorway of salvation. You know, once I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I never quote unquote got saved again. Because I realized that I'd been saved this whole time. Okay. So <clears throat> he's talking here then about something we do daily. He's not talking about you getting saved daily. And we'll talk more about that in in, in a moment, okay? But he's saying, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, let's look at one more verse, and we'll talk about this cross thing for a minute, okay? Luke 14 and 27, so just a few chapters over. Luke 14 and 27, Jesus speaking again. He says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple cannot be my disciple. Now, there is a difference between a son and a daughter of God and a disciple of Jesus. If you come to him, what did he say? What did he say? He would make you a son. That's what Jesus does when you come to him. He makes us sons and daughters of God. And according to John 8, when he makes you a son or a daughter of God, he said that you will abide in Father's house forever. You will abide in Father's house forever. But let's go back to the prodigal son who came home. And he's not a prodigal anymore. He came home, right? But this prodigal son who came home, was he restored to sonship? Absolutely. This, By the way, that parable is... A parable that Jesus taught us, a story that he told us to help us understand, first of all, the heart of our Heavenly Father for us, amen, but then also to help us understand some of the, the, the hiccups and, and holdbacks and hindrances that we deal with when we come home to Father. So notice the whole time that that he's putting the ring on his finger, the robe on his back, and the shoes on his feet, that he's saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, Right? and yet this father's going oh well i didn't realize you wasn't worthy give me that ring back then oh i didn't realize that you in other words obviously the father has a different opinion about these things than that young man reckon who's right in this story reckon who's right in this story is the father right for restoring us remember now We've been made sons of God, not based upon our behavior, our performance, our good looks, our talent, our skill, our wealth. We've been made sons and daughters of God because of a price Jesus paid, not because of one we paid. Amen. He bought and paid. That's why the Bible says he's not ashamed to call you his brothers and his sisters. Not ashamed at all. Why would that even be an issue of him being ashamed? Because a lot of us still act like anything but a child of God. Amen or on me on that one. Discipleship is not how you earn salvation. Discipleship is your response to the overwhelming price that was paid on your behalf to give you the opportunity for salvation. I mean, I'm sorry. For the, give you the opportunity for discipleship. Give you the opportunity for discipleship. It was a... I didn't, I, mean, I didn't say that the way I wanted to say it, but still, the overwhelming price that was paid to give you the opportunity for salvation, obviously, it's not a guarantee. You have to say yes. You have to come to him and receive the gift. But once he gives you the gift, right, you're now, and here's the word we'll use in a minute, you're now qualified. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're now qualified. Once you become born again, you're now qualified to take the yoke before you were born again, you weren't qualified to be in a yoke with Jesus. But now you are because of something He's done for you, because of something He made you. Oh, I get excited about this. So when he says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, what he's saying here is, because what is discipleship? Discipleship, according to Jesus, is daily taking the cross and bearing it. So... If discipleship is taking the cross and bearing it, and you or I refuse to take the cross and bear it, we have excluded ourselves from the from this process called discipleship now if I was going to if I had two hours i 'd have done an intro to my intro, okay, but remember last week we talked about trusting the process and discipleship is is a price not just a process it is the process that god has ordered for you all right now you say what's the revelation here pastor mark here's the revelation are you ready my cross to bear your cross to bear is not the cross that jesus has already bore for you consequences of your sin that's what so many people say well you know it's just my cross to bear you know i was hard on this old body i abused this old body i i put stuff in this body that god never wanted in this body and now i'm having all these health trouble that's just my cross to bear wrong he bore that cross for you well you know i sowed wild oats when i was a teenager so my kids rebelling against me that's just my cross to bear wrong it's not your cross to bear so, we come up with all these crazy ideas of what's our cross to bear. Cancer is not your cross to bear. Sickness and disease, not your cross to bear. Jesus bore that one for you. Okay? Get passionate about that there. That was a burst of passion. Amen. All right. He bore that cross for you. But see, the devil's going to switch and bait you every single time you let him. and and trick you into thinking that the cross Jesus has already bore for you is somehow your cross to bear. It is not your cross to bear. Quit taking that cross. So what is our cross to bear if that's not our cross to bear? What is the cross that that we're supposed to take up daily? Some of you are already ahead of me, right? My cross is Jesus' yoke. My cross is Jesus' yoke. What was Jesus'? What did Jesus' cross represent? Jesus' cross represented the hardest part of everything he came to this earth to do for us. It represented the hardest part that he had to humble himself, submit himself to the, the sacrifices that he had to make. Remember now, in order for Jesus to die on that cross, he had to deny himself. Remember, he said, Father, if there's some other way, if there's something else we can do here. But not my will, your will be done. He is is yielding and submitting his will to Father's will. Let me say it another way. I'm going to try to simplify it. Jesus' cross represented what Jesus had to do to fulfill his purpose and his destiny as a human being on this planet. What does your cross represent? Your cross represents what you have to do, where you have to surrender your will, what you have to be willing to do. and and the effort that you have to be willing to put forth and the commitment that you have to be willing to make and follow through on in order for you to fulfill your purpose and your destiny in Father's kingdom on this earth. Is this making sense to you? Now, salvation then is a gift you receive. Discipleship is a process you commit to. Do you see how these are different? A gift that you receive is not the same thing as a process that you commit to. Now, I know that we could split hairs on this, but salvation is not a process you commit to in, in, in the sense that you have to go through jump through a whole bunch of hoops and and, and take a bunch of classes and and uh, do a bunch of good works in order to be saved. There is a process involved in salvation, but all the hard part Jesus did for you so that all you have to do to receive the gift of salvation is come to Him, call upon His name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation is a gift you receive, but discipleship is a process you commit to. Now remember, commitments always involve some level of trust. I mean, think about that now. So your salvation is not based upon works, but your growth and development in the things of God is. You, your salvation is not based upon what you do for God and how hard you work at it and how much you do for Him. My friend, That your it's not of works. That's what it clearly says in Ephesians 2. It's the gift of God. It is not of works because God doesn't want anybody boasting about, look at what I've done in order to be saved. No, no. it's Not about what you've done. It's about what's been done for you. So salvation is not about what God does for you. I'm sorry. Salvation is about what God does for you. Discipleship is about where God... I'm going to get myself straight here in a minute, okay? Let me... Somebody asked me the other day, they said, said, tell me about your process, you know, as far as, they didn't use that word, but, you know, developing sermons and all that stuff. So I have large piles of notes that I drag over into um, another piece of software that I use called ProPresenter, and that's where I build the sermon from the notes, obviously praying about all these other things. And so I have those ready, but then Saturday evening, into early Sunday morning into during even all the way sometimes through praise and worship it's basically when I say Lord this this is what I believe you've given me but it may not even be for today it may not even be for this group show me what you want me to say to these your people this morning and there are times when the whole sermon I have prepared gets set aside pushed to the future or don't know where it'll wind up you know this morning was one of those mornings when I call it a gusher. I mean, it was it was faster than I could write. Okay, so let me just settle myself down here and just give it to you the way he gave it to me. Okay, your salvation is not based upon works, but your growth and development in the things of God is. Salvation is about what God does for you. Discipleship is about where God wants to take you. That's a really really important. Um, Statement right there, and we're going to expound on that in the days and even weeks to come, okay? But one more time. Salvation is about what God does for you. Amen. But discipleship is about where he wants to take you. Salvation is represented by a cross. Discipleship is represented by a yoke. Okay, Now, if we had the overheads, right, I could put, you've seen them before, okay, I've got a picture of a cross, you know what that looks like, and then I got a, I've got a picture of a yoke, and a yoke, for those of you who don't know, I'll draw one in, in the air here, a yoke is a beam that goes across, usually has a curve to it, it's got two loops that come under, uh, an oxen uh, slides his neck in one side, and the yoke rests upon his shoulders, Another oxen slide his neck in the other side, and the yoke rests upon his shoulder. Somewhere in the middle is a harness where you attach a plow, and away we go. Now, again, your salvation, my salvation, is represented by a cross. Discipleship, however, is not represented by a cross. It is instead represented by a yoke. The cross is the emblem of our salvation. But the yoke, Jesus' yoke, is the emblem of our discipleship. Now, this may go without saying, but I feel like we need to say it anyway, okay? There's only room for one on a cross, but there's room for two in a yoke. The cross won't work with two, and the yoke won't work with one. Now, what, there's more to this, Okay? There's only room for one on a cross, but there's room for two in a yoke. The cross won't work with two, and the yoke won't work with one. What if... Man, this question right here, I had to just... This is a question from the Holy Spirit. What if all the effort wasted on self-righteousness was redirected towards yoking up with Jesus and learning from Him? See, that's why... there's only room for one on the cross. When we try to make ourselves right with God in the eyes of God by our own good works, that's you trying to climb up on that cross with Jesus. So you're like, you scrooge over, Jesus, let me get up here with you, right? And that'll never work because there's nothing you can do. If, If you could have been sacrificed for your sins to make you a son or a daughter of God, then Jesus would have stayed put and never came down here. But when we say there's only room for one on the cross, what, what I feel like the Holy Spirit was implying when he asked that question to me and now to us is it's the effort that so many of his people, back to that prodigal son, you know, working so hard hoping he can earn his way back into what his father's already freely given to him. What if all the effort wasted on self-righteousness was redirected towards yoking up with Jesus and learning from him? Let's talk a little more about the difference between a cross and a yoke. Remember, salvation is about what God does for you. Discipleship is about where God wants to take you. Salvation is represented by a cross. Discipleship is represented by a yoke. There's only room for one on the cross. There's room for two in a yoke. The cross won't work with two, and the yoke won't work with just one. The cross was planted in the ground, signifying what? The work Jesus did for you there is definitive, eternal, steadfast, and immovable. For all who come to Jesus, His work on the cross becomes the defining event of our life and eternity. Somebody say amen to that. Now, I don't want to offend you. Hear this out, please. The Holy Spirit, I'm, just, I'm going to say it like he's, like I'm supposed to say it, okay? The Holy Spirit said for me to tell you today, it's time to take the yoke Jesus is offering you and move beyond the cross. Beyond the cross. It almost sounds blasphemous in our current religious climate to say it's time to move beyond the cross. Religion would tell us to cling to the cross and to stay at the foot of the cross. The cross is where you come to be washed. The cross is where you come to be transformed. The cross is where you come to be made new and to be made ready for the life journey prepared for us before the foundations of the world. What happens at the cross is a qualifying experience. The cross qualifies you for the life God created you to live. The cross qualifies you to become a dwelling place for God in the earth. The cross qualifies you to be a member of the body of Christ. The cross qualifies you for citizenship in the kingdom of God and all the rights and benefits that citizenship includes. The cross qualifies you to receive your inheritance as an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus. The cross makes possible what was previously impossible. The cross means the life we were always meant to have and live is once again within reach. Sin separated us from God and disqualified us from fellowship with Him, ultimately making the life and destiny assigned to us from before the foundation of the world an impossibility. The cross makes possible and qualifies you for what was previously impossible and were disqualified from. If it weren't for the cross, you wouldn't qualify for the yoke. But because of the cross, we're now qualified for the yoke. Jesus didn't tell his disciples to stay at the foot of the cross. Is that what he told them to do? He told them to never forget what he did for them there. But he told them to go. Go first to Jerusalem and receive power from on high. And then go into all the world and proclaim the good news. He told them to go cast out demons. He told him to go speak with new tongues. He told him to go lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. You see, the cross represents your salvation. And my friend, my brother, my sister, it's eternally planted. In other words, it ain't going anywhere. But the yoke is not stationary, it's designed to travel. The yoke represents forward movement and progress. The cross represents what Jesus did for you and the the yoke represents what Jesus wants to do with you. Clinging to the cross and remaining at its foot may sound spiritual, but for many, it's nothing more than an excuse to keep saying no to the yoke. If you're looking for Jesus this morning, you won't find Him on a cross. You won't find him in a tomb. (laughs) Thank God he went there. And he was there. But he's not there anymore. (sighs) If you're looking for Jesus this morning, you'll find him in a yoke with an open spot that's exactly your size right beside him. That's where he is this morning. He's waiting on you. And all we can talk about is how much we're waiting on Him. You see, we tend to think in terms of what God has done or can do for me while God is thinking in terms of where He wants to take you. See, the cross is about what he's done for us. And, and no wonder you know, we, we have this mindset, God do this for me, God do that for me, God do this for me, God do that for me. And it's not that he doesn't want to do it for you, it's not that. The, the reality of it is he's already done it for you, but you don't even know it. He didn't say by his stripes you would be healed one day when you learned enough healing scriptures and memorized them enough and quoted them enough mornings, that's not what he said. He said, by my stripes, you were healed. Come and I'll make, come and I'll heal you. Take my yoke upon you and learn about me, learn about healing, no. See, we got to yoke up with Jesus and learn healing from him. We got to learn it from him. And that's when you will find. I know it sounds silly. I, I, I have. I have struggled with. Not anymore. I got the victory over it. I'm just telling you. But I have struggled with this whole writing thing. And I, I found out that a lot of people—that's just the devil, right? A lot of people. They, you know. You sit there, and you—I should know better, but I'm just telling, just bearing my heart with you for a moment, right? I'm sitting there writing another book, and the devil's telling me, "Why? You're not a writer. You're—you're you're an impostor. Who are you fooling? People know you're not a—you know. What are you trying to do, right? And—and—and I've—I I've, just, you know, just struggle there. I'm like, Lord, please show me the answer. This is what He told me. I, I could—it's a long thing. I'm just going to give you the gist of it. Okay. Here's what He told me. He said, "Son, you came out of your mother's womb a writer." He said if you'd have never if you'd have never learned to read and write, you would have lived your whole life and died a writer, having never written a single sentence. It's it's who I made you. See, as long as we're as long as we think we're trying to become something we're not, we're gonna struggle. As long as you see yourself as addicted trying to live free, as long as you see yourself as poor trying to get some money, as long as you see yourself as sick trying to find another uh, medicine or doctor, you see what I'm saying? Th- th- this, is, th- this is the way the enemy works in our, in our minds. June of 98, you know, somebody said, should we call you Brother Mark or Pastor Mark or Mark? I said, you call me whatever you want to call me, but the Lord said that if you know, I, if I was gonna get my mind renewed to being a pastor, I need to start calling myself Pastor Mark. Amen. Again, I'm that's not you call me dude, I don't care. You know, some people that's disrespectful. I don't I don't I don't that's not that ain't a I'm not into that. You know me well now. I'm not into that. If I was into that, my name would be all over the signs and the and the websites and the the uh vans and all that stuff, you know. Big picture of me on the back door. Come to here this It's not who I am. Again, we've got to break out of this mindset that thinks in terms of what God has done or can do for me. And we need to break into this mindset of thinking in terms of where he wants to take you We've already received the offer. We're not going to receive another one. Offerings are not about what God's trying to get from you. It's it's about where he wants to take you financially. But again, see, that's trust. See, God isn't just wanting to do something for you. He's wanting to lead you to a place in life you cannot get to without him. Now, I'm coming to a transition, so let me just say a couple more things, then we'll pray, okay? Most of God's children tend to go wherever they want to go. See, that's not a yoke, right? A yoke's going, when Jesus is already in that yoke, amen. Amen. I'm telling you, He he knows exactly where you're supposed to go and He knows exactly how to get you there. But it's a commitment, right? So we tend to go where we want to go and then ask Him to do something to help us when we get in a jam. Right? We do what we want to do, go where we want to go until we crash into a ditch and then we need... Him to come and rescue us, and I don't know about you, but I, I've lost count of how many times he has. It's not, again, it's not that he's even mad at us, you know. Oh, okay, I'm going to get you out one more time. No, I mean it's like, but it's, but if you if you listen carefully to him, he's like, you know, when are, when are you going to get out of this pattern of life and 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 take my yoke and let's Let's get you beyond this let me let me give you uh, three letters and then three more letters okay triple A or g p s it's hard to get it any simpler than that, okay. Is is God the guy you call, right? That's triple A. When you lock your keys in your car, when you got some problem, some issue, you, you call them to come and bail you out. But see, GPS is when you're in a strange city and you're trying to get to a specific location and you have no idea how to get there if it weren't, for that voice coming out of your dash. Stay in these two lanes. Don't don't even get in those lanes. You need to be in the second lane from the right. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would show you things to come. Because in 300 feet, you're going to need to take a right-hand exit. See that's that's GPS. See that's, see now we're going somewhere. Or we could turn the GPS off, drive around a strange city till we run out of gas, and call AAA. That's so good, brother. That's so good. Stand with me. He knows how to get you. Listen to me now. See th- this is the thing. Some of us, we don't, we don't even know what we want. You know, it's like a couple that's been married for 40 years. What you want to eat tonight, honey? I don't know what you want to eat tonight, honey. You want to go to McDonald's? Well, I don't know about McDonald's. Well, you pick then. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You want to go to Arby's? I don't know. Really. It's like, we, you know, we, we don't even know what destination to put in the GPS. but God does. God does. Amen. That's why Jesus said something about if you'll at least be willing to be willing. Amen. What does that mean? I'm willing to want what, are you, what I don't even have enough understanding of yet to say yes to. Father, we come before you now. We say thank you for the cross. We say thank you for what's been done for us on that cross. No other blood No other being in all the universe was qualified other than Jesus. To die for us, to die as us, to make us your sons. It it took your son to make us your sons. He had to become a man so that men and women could receive these highest of gifts and these highest of honors. Father, 10,000 years from now, we, we will still not have adequately said enough thank yous for the cross. But you're calling us to move beyond it. You're calling us to take the yoke that the cross qualified us for, Father, I thank you this morning that your Holy Spirit is doing what only he can do in our hearts. This, Lord, just wherever people may be, folks may be watching this three weeks from now, Father. Even then, doing what only he can do, stirring us deeply, profoundly. Opening our eyes, showing each one of us how this applies to our lives specifically and individually. Father, we will, with the Holy Spirit's help, we will never forget what Jesus did for us on the cross. But may our understanding of your great love and gift and sacrifice be what motivates us to now take the yoke that he's offering so that we can learn, so that we can grow, so that we can mature, so that we can develop, so that we can blossom. <sighs> the righteousness that we became, Father, you said it in the Old Testament, Lord, that it would it would shine forth, Lord, like the noonday sun. The inward reality of our new birth becoming an outward expression of our daily lives. Father, thank you again for Lord, certainly the people that are here, but Lord, it's more than just people showing up in a room. Father, it's their hunger and their desire for your truth and wisdom in their lives, Father, that, that draws these things from you through me to them today. We give you honor for it and praise and thank, thanksgiving for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for those who tuned in online. Go in peace. Tell somebody around you good things coming. You'll be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday if not before.